ABB Radio. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, Speaking Out for the Blind listeners. This is Brian McAllen. I just wanted to tell everybody that on July 6th, There's going to be continuing coverage of the 2016 ACB Conference and Convention. And Speaking Out for the Blind will return on July 13th. Enjoy the convention. And now on to today's show. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Before we get into today's show, I have a couple of quick announcements to make. The archives of ACB's live and special events are now available for your listening pleasure on any podcast device by subscribing to acbradio.org slash acbevents.xml. The link will soon have the archives from the 2016 ACB Conference and Convention and many more archived events of interest. The archives are also available through iTunes. Thanks for listening. Now my second announcement comes from the Law Office of Laney Feingold. E-Trade announces a new accessibility initiative. The initiative calls for E-Trade to enhance its mobile applications and desktop platforms for blind and visually impaired investors and traders and customers. To read more about today's announcements, check out the links on my show website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com and click on list of episodes and show news and you'll especially find a link to more information about this e-trade announcement there. Now back to today's Speaking Out for the Blind show. Dr. Janet P. Slick is the President and Chief Executive Officer of the Chicago Lighthouse in Illinois. She is a highly respected scientist and researcher in the low vision field, and Dr. Slick became the second woman to hold the highest position as the Chicago Lighthouse's CEO. Dr. Slick has taken the Chicago Lighthouse to new heights, including establishing a call center that provides employment opportunities to several blind and visually impaired and disabled civilians and veterans. To tell us more about herself, the Lighthouse's programs in the agency's 110th anniversary. Dr. Slake joins us. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Brian. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure having you here, too. Let's get to know you first. What inspired you to work in the blindness and low vision fields? That's a great question. And the inspiration, I have to say, is rooted in my childhood. When I grew up, my cousin, Carolyn White, was totally blind due to retinopathy of prematurity. She 
ended up going to Perkins School for the Blind, and I would visit her very often. She lived very close by or a very close-knit family. My grandmother spent a lot of time with her acting very much like an occupational therapist, outfitting their home so that she was able to do the things we all could do. She ended up going to Boston University, graduating with honors, getting a master's degree from the University of California, UCLA. You graduated with a lot of degrees too, Dr. Slick. ZoomInfo says that you got your bachelor's degree from Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. What was your undergraduate major, and what was the driver for this choice? Brown has a concentration that you develop yourself, which I think has served me well for the rest of my life in terms of being creative with my education. I majored in biology, human biology, with a sub-major in psychology. So biopsychology was my major. Then I went to graduate school for experimental psychology and focused on psychophysics and the development of human subjects testing methods. I did a postdoctoral fellowship at the Lighthouse in New York, the New York Lighthouse, and then later on retinal research subspecialty with Dr. Charles Fishman at the University of Illinois, where I ended up spending 19 years of my career there because it was such a great place. Wow. You must have done a lot of work. I mean, when I think of how much work it was to get my undergraduate degree, I'm amazed (laughs) at the effort and achievements of those who go on to graduate school, especially the people who have to do the extensive research and exams to get their Ph.D. The Chicago Lighthouse says that you've published some works related to the low vision field. The American Foundation for the Blind says that you're a contributor to the book titled Out of Sight, Not Out of Mind, Personal and Professional Perspectives on Age-Related Macular Degeneration. I've read a little bio on the book, and it includes real-life accounts. For example, it tells about this 93-year-old Lindy Bergman's illustration of the ways that Life can be lived with low vision in terms of dignity, independence, and personal satisfaction. Tell us more about the book and your contributions to this special story. We're very proud of the book because we feel a compendium that would be useful to students in optometry, ophthalmology, families, because it provides a personal perspective. And it also reflects the comprehensive model that we've practiced for low vision care and vision rehabilitation at the Chicago Lighthouse. It really sums up this approach. We have low vision optometrists contributing, including the late Alfred Rosenblum, who was one of the founders of our low vision clinic in 1955. He wrote the very famous book, Vision and Aging. So we have his perspective. We have a current practitioner, our current vice president of clinical services, Kara Crumbliss. We have our former psychologist on staff, for the Bergman Institute for Psychological Support, named in Lindy Bergman's honor. We have an occupational therapist contributing, and Tom Persky, who's our senior vice president of rehabilitation services, talking about all the wonderful assistive technology. We also have Trish Grant, who was our director for vision research, which we have here at the Lighthouse. I ended up bringing my laboratory from the University of Illinois, where I left as a professor, to the Chicago Lighthouse. So we have 
great research efforts here, and it's focused on assistive technology and the latest and the greatest, working on FDA clinical trials for devices and seeing quality devices helping them be developed to serve people who are blind. That's our focus in our research program. That's all reflected in the book. And it's a very optimistic viewpoint that if you're faced with macular degeneration, and as we know the statistics, there are many people and the baby boomers will all be impacted by some form of macular degeneration. I think it's a useful book to help them cope adapt and know that it's not a death sentence to have macular degeneration. It's part of life and the looking for ways to adapt and continue doing the things you love doing. And that's what we're all about at the Lighthouse. A very optimistic can-do approach is pervasive here at the Chicago Lighthouse. Before we get to the Lighthouse, we're going to put a link that I found on the AFB website, afb.org, displaying a couple of your recent written works, including this particular book, on the Speaking Out for the Blind website, speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com, when the show goes out. You mentioned Tom Persky. I just had him recently on the show. He was a great guest. Very well-informed guy, able to explain a lot of the new accessible technologies out there. Great man. So you came to the Chicago Lighthouse in 2008 as its second woman to serve as president and chief executive officer. What did you have to do to get this top position? What did I have to do? Well, I applied, obviously. I was at the University of Illinois, very happy. I had a very active laboratory. It was well-funded, and every dollar was gotten by writing research grants. So I had a lot of experience navigating the grant writing system, the application of research, and also forecasting for the future what was needed. Those skills were what I needed in this job. So I planned to stay. I was in the Dean Administrative Training Program. I was fortunate enough to be accepted into that program and tapped for potentially top administrative position at the university level because this was part of the training program that I was in, the fellowship training program. But when I learned that Jim Kestelut, my predecessor, was retiring and he was much too young to retire, so I thought (laughs) that he wasn't going to retire for a few years. He's a wonderful, talented individual. So I thought I had a few years to go if that job ever became available. I was a huge fan of the Lighthouse. My husband and I had attended all of the galas and we were actively involved. Because I had trained at the New York Lighthouse, I had an affinity for the Chicago Lighthouse. I referred patients here. Patients were referred to my research studies. So we had a great partnership. But when the job came up and I heard that it was advertised, I thought, well, if I don't apply now, it may not be open uh, when I would decide to move on from my career at the university. And so I took the chance. It was a national search, and they hired the girl next door because I was literally next door. I moved my laboratory and my office. I never looked back. I mean, it was the best move I could have ever made. I want people to know that it was a long road, and I had to build a resume that 
would qualify for such a prestigious position. Everything I did was for the low vision community and the blind community. My research was focused on low vision efforts and the development of devices that would optimize remaining vision in those with visual impairment. There were many publications, many grants. It was hard work at the university to achieve the professor level. I had gone on, as I mentioned, from being a fellow that was funded by the National Eye Institute early on to becoming a full professor at the end of my time at the university at the end of 19 years. I was also a research career scientist. I received that award from the Department of Veterans Affairs from my funding from rehabilitation research and development from the VA. I think it required a heck of a lot of work, many publications, lots of writing, lots of teaching. I had many students come through my laboratory. I was very happy, but I moved on to a much larger laboratory that is the Chicago Lighthouse with the skills that I gained being at the University of Illinois. All I can say for those who are looking towards leadership positions within blindness agencies, I'm happy to reach out if they want to reach out to me to give them advice for that road because I think it's such a satisfying career. I can't imagine a more satisfying job. I have achieved my dream job, but it did take a lot of work, Brian. And a lot of stepping stones. I hope that answers your question. It does. I can understand. It takes a lot of stepping stones to become a leader. And we're going to put your email address on the show website so that if anybody does have questions about becoming a leader, hey, they can email you and you could give them some of the answers. I think that's great. I'm often asked for positions that open up to recommend leaders who are blind. And so I think it's an open area. Anyone can do it with the right training. I'd love to give advice to anyone who is considering a leadership position. So thank you. You're very welcome. Galas, you mentioned galas. The Lighthouse (laughs) just recently celebrated its 110th anniversary the Chicago Lighthouse has. I understand that it was a very festive event. Tell us more about that event. Yes, it was held at the Four Seasons, and we raised $100,000 more than we usually raise. There's a great feeling in the room and a sense of camaraderie and partnerships with the Chicago community. The Chicago community is and has been so generous to the Chicago Lighthouse in terms of partnerships, and many of the partners that we had in 1906, we still have today. I know that Edith Swift, who was the first female executive director, she served the Lighthouse for 29 years and built our industries program. She worked with Western Electric, which later became AT&T. We have a relationship with AT&T. A lot of those relationships have been carried on in the private community, the private sector. The Service Club of Chicago is a friend of ours now, and they've been around for 125 years. The Lions Club, they're celebrating their 100th university, 100th anniversary, excuse me, (laughs) and next year, 2017, they've been partners with us for a long time, and they were present at the gala. So we celebrated with the Lions, we celebrated with the service club. It was just a lot of fun and a lot of generosity in that room. You've had some awesome accomplishments as CEO. You've established a call center at the Chicago Lighthouse to hire several visually impaired and blind people with employment opportunities. 
How did you speak out to establish the call center? We actually have five customer service centers now, Brian, that have evolved. And it's a wonderful story because, again, that partnership with the community, the Barker Welfare Foundation gave us an original gift of $25,000. We had just expanded our building. Two of our board members had raised money before I had come here to expand our building by 12,000 square feet. So we had some empty shell space. We were keeping it for growth areas, but ended up outfitting one of the shell spaces in our industries program as a customer service center with that $25,000 grant. That $25,000 grant led to a contract with the Illinois Tollway Authority where we provide service for the transponders. They're called IPASS in Illinois. So if you have questions about your transponder or you need to renew your credit card on the transponder or pay a violation, you would call our customer service center. It's a wonderful partnership with the Illinois Tollway Authority. That led to a relationship with the University of Illinois Health Systems where we provide registrations, patient scheduling, doctor scheduling, information for health services at the University of Illinois, which has become a tremendous partnership. So all in all, we are celebrating Now, when I came here, we had a a little over 200 employees, and now we are at 800 employees of the Chicago Lighthouse that receive a paycheck. So I'm proud of that accomplishment. It's jobs, jobs, jobs. Vision care services. I understand that the Chicago Lighthouse offers vision care services. What sort of vision care services do you guys offer? Vision rehabilitation overall. We have the oldest low vision clinic in the country. It was dedicated by Helen Keller herself in 1955 when we moved to the building that we're in now. It's changed a lot since 1955 but we have a wonderful clinic which provides the comprehensive care model that I spoke of earlier. We provide services to thousands of patients. We have five satellites of our low vision care throughout the Chicagoland area for those who cannot make it to our 1850 Roosevelt location made headquarters in the Illinois Medical District. We also have a suburban location, a main headquarters, and that's up in Glenview, Illinois. So we provide a lot of services across the Chicagoland area. Our services include low vision optometry performed by all residency trained low vision optometrists. We have occupational therapists who go into the home and help outfit the homes and offices of our patients. We have orientation and mobility specialists within the rehabilitation clinic. We have assistive technology specialists. So you'll come in and be trained on devices that may be recommended by our doctors. And what's great now is that our assistive technology specialists working with our doctors can put together a package of assistive technology that works for anyone in anyone any milieu that they may be working in or playing in or studying in we have the package for the patient and we can help provide funding for it we have scholarship programs for technologies and other grant funding possibilities so that if those who can't afford it, overall, we never turn anyone away for services because of an inability to pay. So we spend millions of dollars each year providing care to our patients. So another point that we're very proud of. Also, what is unique, Brian, at the Lighthouse in Chicago, we have an ophthalmology component. We have Dr. Gerald Fishman, the name that I 
you may remember earlier in the interview, I had trained with Dr. Fishman early on, and we were able to entice him to the lighthouse to the Panger Center for Inherited Retinal Diseases. He directs the center, and it focuses on the genetics and also research trials that are associated with inherited retinal disease, and also diagnosing. Dr. Fishman is one of the physicians that physicians refer to when they are faced with a puzzling eye disorder, a patient who they really can't figure out, and it may be rooted and maybe inherited. Dr. Fishman is able to identify because of his knowledge base and his experience with inherited retinal diseases is able to isolate the gene, the mutation, and also recommend a clinical trial that's going on in our neighborhood or across the country that may benefit the patient. I also want to point out that the first ocular clinical trial for gene therapy in Chicago is going on here at the Chicago Lighthouse, and it's being done in the Panger Center for Inherited Retinal Diseases here at the Lighthouse. And it's for the color blinding disorder known as achromatopsia. We should be hearing the results soon in the next year, and we'll be happy to share them with you, Brian, another interview in the upcoming year. Hey, another interview in the upcoming year would be great. Dr. Slick, <laughs> Beth from Newport News, Virginia, one of our most valued listeners, asks, are there any ways to obtain training via online or correspondence courses with resources for local help in obtaining employment? Excellent question. The best online training for jobs or education would be Hadley School for the Blind in Winnetka. And so I can make a plug for our sister organization, Hadley. They do a great job of online training for any individuals who can't come to the Lighthouse for practical training. I often think it's a great partnership with Hadley. Hadley provides the online training and we provide practical training in many different areas in our 38 programs. How might our listeners learn more about the Chicago Lighthouse and become clients? They go to our brand new website at www.chicagolighthouse.org or they call our number at 312-666-1331. They could, you know, I have an open door policy, Brian, too. So I, I love helping people and directing them to the right resources. So as you mentioned, you can put my email address on your site, the link, and I look forward to, to hearing and helping your listeners. Dr. Slick, you and the Chicago Lighthouse serve as resources to help the blind and visually impaired live independent lives. We appreciate all that you do. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Before we go, well, I welcome your comments on the show. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind. You can also check out my website. That's Speaking Out furtheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and the show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located on the first half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, 
where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Hello, everyone. My name is Dan Dillon, and I'm a candidate for the ACB Board of Directors, and I'd very much appreciate your vote. I joined ACB because I wanted to do whatever I could do to make this world a better place to live for blind and visually impaired people. I have had a great deal of experience in leadership. I was president of the Mid-Tennessee Council of the Blind, the local chapter in Nashville, for six years. I was president of the Tennessee Council of the Blind for six years. Along with Brenda, started the ACB Walk back in 2009, and over the past seven years, we've raised over $200,000. I've participated in the ACB Legislative Seminar for the past several years. I want to be on the board because I want to be part of the growth. I feel we need to grow in membership and we need to grow in financial support. Once I make a commitment, I am a man of my word and I follow through with action. I don't just talk about it. I do it. Thank you for listening. Hello to my ACB family. My name is Denise Colley from Lacey, Washington, and I am running for a position on the ACB Board of Directors. I currently serve as chair of the ACB Board of Publications, as well as first vice president of the Braille Revival League and editor of the Braille Memorandum. It is these opportunities, as well as other state and national leadership roles I've had, that led me to realize the mammoth role and responsibility the ACB board has in guiding the work of this organization as well as its future. And it's the opportunity to use my skills and abilities to help shape that future that makes me excited about wanting to serve as an ACB board member. I hope I can count on your vote at convention. Thank you. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Bishop, and I'm running for re-election to the ACB Board of Directors. Over the past year, I've had an opportunity to visit a number of affiliates, and I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you at convention. This last year, we've accomplished a lot of really great things for ACB. First of all, the release of ACB Link, the iPhone app that links the world to ACB and also betters the communication for all ACB members. We've developed a very strong and significant Microsoft Corporation partnership to ensure that technology for today and into the future is accessible and inclusive for everyone, and so much more. I would really appreciate your support. If you would like to find out more, please visit support.jeffbishop.com.